Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and start in Jeremiah chapter 1 tonight. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 is where we're going to begin. And I uh, want to kick off here. Uh, we've been in 2 Thessalonians. We finished 1 Thessalonians a couple of weeks ago. We covered chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians two weeks ago. And uh, I was planning on going back there tonight and dealing with the Antichrist. Uh, but the Lord just led me here to Jeremiah. And uh, just want to just give you some things tonight that I pray will be a help to you. And uh, especially, especially our, our teenagers and uh, young adults, I want you to focus in tonight don't allow distractions to get you, uh, because uh, I knew you were coming tonight, and uh, this message tonight will really help you if you pay attention to it, okay? Jeremiah chapter 1, and uh, let's begin in verse 1, okay? Jeremiah 1, begin in verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin... To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I adorned thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Now, my kids have kind of heard this message already because I, I delivered it to them while we were on our trip. And uh, I had some things to talk to them about. Uh, but I wanted us to uh, look here in this passage. I just finished Jeremiah in my daily reading. And uh, Jeremiah contains 52 chapters. And uh, when you read it, it's, it's an Old Testament prophet. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets. And uh, he, is, he is a pre-exile prophet, meaning that he is... He is prophesying as Israel is about to go in to Babylonian captivity. Okay, so they're about to be removed from their country. And uh, the, the armies from the north uh, was, were coming down. And uh, that's one of the major empires in the world at that time. And uh, God was about to place judgment upon the nation of Israel. And so these are... Uh, Jeremiah is his messages, really, that God gave him to deliver the word of the Lord. He says in verse 6, he's, he talks about being a, a child. It is thought that Jeremiah was about 14 years of age when God called him to the ministry. But it was really God's plan for his life. In verse 5, it talks about, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. God, God knows who we are when we are in the mother's womb. Amen? And that is a very important verse of Scripture, uh, especially when you're dealing with, uh, with pro-life and pro-choice, when you're dealing with that uh, debate. Uh, you, you remember John the Baptist when, when uh, Mary came to see Elizabeth and, the, and, and John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. That, that child knows what is going on. And um, so he says there that the word of the Lord came to him. Now, when you're reading Jeremiah, there's a, there's a lot of going back and forth. It's, it's not necessarily written like you read a novel and uh, it, just, it just starts out here in the beginning and uh, once upon a time, right? And it ends up and they lived happily ever after. First of all, when you get to chapter 52, they don't live happily ever after. I'll just... I just break the, uh, uh, I just end the story right there, okay? But when you're going through there, 
there's a lot of going back and forth. He mentions in chapter 1 that he was, his ministry covered the spans. He names three kings. Actually, it covers five kings. He says there in, in uh, beginning in verse 2, he is uh, the, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So it, it says in the 13th year of his reign. So that's when his ministry began. Um, we'll, we'll see in just a moment, Josiah reigned for 31 years. So if you do 31 minus 13, that's 18 years that Jeremiah prophesied during the reign of Josiah. And then he mentions uh, in verse 3, in the days of Jehoiakim. Well, actually Jehoahaz was Josiah's son. He reigned, but he only reigned for three months. And, uh, and the, the king, uh, the Pharaoh, came and got rid of him, took him out of office. And so Jehoiakim became king. And it says there that he, uh, uh, he when, when we read later, he, he reigned for 11 years. Then Jehoiachin becomes king. That, he, was in, he was in office, I guess you'd say, for three months and ten days. But then Jeremiah mentions here in verse 3, he mentions Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was king 11 years. You do the math, Jeremiah's ministry covered a span of about 40 to 41 years. So that's a long span. So when I read my Bible, first of all, I love to read the Bible. And I love to study the Bible. And it's not always easy. A lot of times people say, well, I just can't read the Bible because it's hard to understand. Well, this is a fact. If you never read the Bible, you will never understand it. Amen? So, so the option is not, well, I'm just not going to read it. You, you'll never understand it if that's the case. So you just got to get in it, and you got to read it. it is, it's not written like any other book. It is God's book. It is a spiritual book, and it takes some spiritual discernment. It takes the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you into truth. And so when you read through the Bible... You may not understand everything you're reading today, but you stay with it, and suddenly, suddenly you're reading something tomorrow or next week, and you think, hey, I remember when I read something about this over here, and I go back, and I see how they're connected. And I think, wow, okay, now I can put those pieces together. And the more you do that, the more those pieces start to fit in place. And so to me, it's just an extraordinary, wonderful thing. So I just went through the 52 chapters of Jeremiah, and I'm about to go through there again. But before I go through there again, I wanted to go back, and I wanted to see what the history was when Jeremiah was prophesying. If I'm going to understand it, it's better to understand the context, right? When you're reading anything, what is the context? What is, who is being spoken to? Uh, what's the, uh, uh, where is it located? All of these things play a factor. And so when you, you go back, and where do you find out the history of those kings? Well, there's books called First and Second Kings, right? And so you go to Second Kings, and, and chapter 24 begins the life of Josiah, and it goes all the way to the end of the book, to chapter 26. You get to Zedekiah. So you read those three chapters, and you find out what was taking place historically in their ministries. So that helps me understand why Jeremiah is preaching the messages God gives them. Why is God speaking to them about this? Well, that gives me an idea. First and Second Chronicles is very similar to First and Second Kings, but a lot of times God adds something in one of the books that's not mentioned in one of the other books. And so you read 2 Chronicles 34, 35, and 36, and you see those 40 years in those three chapters. And you learn something about each of their ministries. And so to me, that is helpful. If I'm going to understand uh, what is happening in Jeremiah, I want to understand who is he preaching to, what is going on in their ministries. And a lot of the prophets, they overlap. 
they overlap. They're, they're, they're connected. There's the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, and then there's the, uh, and, and, and Daniel, and then there's the minor prophets. And a lot of those minor prophets, they're very short. They're called minor because their letters are very short. Um, but they overlap some of these major prophets. And so it's good to put all that stuff together. So tonight, I want us to go back to, um, well, let me look there in verse 1 to start with. He says, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priest. It's not, Hilkiah is going to show up shortly, but there's, it's not the same Hilkiah. I'll just go ahead and say that. But they were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. And just to give you an idea so you can picture it, Anathoth is located about three miles outside the walls of Jerusalem. Okay? So that is the location that they're in. And he's, he's, he's in the ministry of Judah. Now, remember, when Solomon reigned, the, because of his sin, God split the kingdom. And there were the tribes of the north. They became known as the tribes of Israel. And then there's the tribes of Judah. That's the, tribes in the, that's the kingdom in the south. Well, a few years earlier, in Hezekiah's day, in 2 Kings 19, verse 19, there was a great empire called the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians came about 2 Kings 13 to 15, somewhere in there. You can read about that there. They came into the, to the kingdom of Israel, the kingdoms of the north, and they overtook them and uh, carried them into captivity. Hezekiah was the big king in that day. And the Assyrian army, Sennacherib there, came to Hezekiah in the kingdom of Judah and says, I'm going to take you. And that is when Hezekiah takes that letter into the house of the Lord and he spreads it out before the Lord and he says the words, Save thou us that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. And God delivered them. He killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. God delivered the kingdom of Judah. So Israel's gone. And now, now here comes the Babylonians, and uh, they're fixing to come in, and, and, and Israel's about to, Judah is about to have to deal with the Babylonians now. Okay? So that just kind of puts all of those pieces into place. And you have to get in the Bible to put all that together. Okay? All of it fits together. You just got to get in it. And the more often you're in it, the more regular you're in it, the more it all stays with you. So, you're, you're going to go to another place in the Bible that you're probably not in that much. That is 2 Chronicles, okay? So turn, turn to your left to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 34 uh, tonight. And um, when I'm going through here and I read 2 Kings 24 through 26, and I read all that, and I'm taking all kinds of notes, I'm writing all this stuff down, because I'm trying to remember that. I always encourage you to take notes because when you write something down, you remember it better than just hearing it and it goes in one ear and out the other. When you write it down and you see it and you're mechanically using your hands to do something, it, it stays with you more. So I'm sitting there and I'm taking notes. I'm trying to put all this stuff together and put all the pieces together. And then I go to chapter 34 of Second Chronicles and I want to compare notes and see what one has to say. So I want to start here tonight in 2 Chronicles 34. Everybody with me? I'm going to tell you something. This is fun to me. All right? This is fun to me and it's exciting to me. And so I hope, it, I hope it's contagious tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Who's the king? Josiah, right? Josiah. I love that name, Josiah. I wanted to name one of our kids Josiah, but Christy vetoed it. I love the name Josiah. And uh, that's just a cool name. Uh, Josiah is king. Remember, remember when Jeremiah started, he started in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. That's when he comes in. Uh, Jer Jeremiah was probably born in the, in, the, in the reign of Manasseh. And there was Ammon and then Josiah. We'll talk about them a little bit uh, uh, shortly. So Josiah is king. How old is he when he becomes king? Verse 1. He is eight years old. That is a young king, isn't it? He is eight years old. My daughter is nine. He could marry my daughter, and she would be older than him. Right? Eight years old. 
He's eight years old and he becomes king. He reigns. How long does he reign? 31 years. Verse 1. 31 plus 8 is what? 30, y'all, come on, half part of you are sharp. 31 plus 8 is 39. So that tells me he dies when he's 39 years old. So, he doesn't live a long time. That's pretty young. He's 39 years old and he becomes king. All right? So, it's, uh, he, he's reigned for 31 years. He's 8 years old when he gets started. Younger than just about everybody in here except maybe one or two. Okay, so he's eight years old. He reigns in Jerusalem 31 years. What does it say that he did in verse 2? He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Every king, when you read about the kings, every king, it may not mention it in every, about every one of them in Second Chronicles, but it'll, it'll mention it in kings. Every king is defined by this one thing. They either did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did that which is evil. Sums up your entire life. What what does my life matter? Everything that I do in life, how does it summed up? I either did what was right or I did what was wrong. Their entire kingdom, 39 years of his life, the Bible says he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Well, I always like to learn from somebody who did something right. So there's something special about Josiah. Well, let's look here. It says he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of David his father. And he declined neither to the right hand or to the left. He stayed on the right path throughout his life. Now, you get to verse number... uh, Do I want to get to verse 3 yet? No, I don't want to get to verse 3 yet. Look up there. In uh, chapter 33, just above there, okay? So Josiah was eight years old, and he did that which was, which was right. Well, you get to uh, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 33 and verse 20, and it says there that Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Ammon is Josiah's daddy. Manasseh would be his granddaddy okay that would put hezekiah as his great grandfather and hezekiah did that which was right in the eyes of the lord but look what it says there in chapter 33 verse 22 speaking of ammon it says that he did that which was evil in the sight of the lord as did manasseh his father for ammon's sacrifice unto all the carved images which Manasseh his father had made and served them and humbled not himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But Ammon trespassed more and more. Manasseh did some very evil and wicked things. Evil things. Hard to even want to picture. You don't even picture what he did. Evil things. Now he does get some things right. You can read that earlier in chapter 33. He humbled himself. He admitted he was wrong. And he tried to get some things right. But he did such bad things. Did such bad things, God's going to pass judgment upon his nation. Remember in Hezekiah, God delivered the, 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 the kingdom of Judah. But his son Manasseh did such evil. God says, no, nope, judgment is coming. Ammon becomes king. And I want you to see, uh, look in, in, in chapter 29 in verse 2, um, I've just given you that reference. You can look there if you want to keep up with me. But it says in chapter 29, verse 2, that, uh, or look at verse 1. It says that, um, no, not, not there. I apologize. That's not the right place. That's Hezekiah. Come on, Pastor Ricky, get your notes together. There it is. Chapter 33, verse 1. Chapter 33. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years. What's 12 plus 55? 67. There you go. So, so he reigned for a long time, but he did that which was evil. Ammon, and you get to chapter 33, verse 21, he was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned only two years. So he died at the age of 24. Now think about this, guys. Because I just want to know. 
if Ammon died when he was 24 and Josiah was 8 when he became king, how old was Ammon when he had Josiah? Say it. 16. He's young, isn't he? He was 16 years old when he became a father. Now, when I do the math later, actually Josiah is going to become a father at the age of 16 as well. So he's young. Okay, so Josiah had a very young daddy. And his daddy did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not do what was right. His grandfather did not do that which is right. He was born at the last few days, of last few years of his grandfather's life. He did not have a great example in front of him. He didn't have a good example. But you get to chapter 34 and verse 2, what does it say about Josiah? He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. What is my point? This is my point. All of us have to, make, have to be in a place where we make up our own mind. Everybody is responsible individually for your walk with the Lord. For a time, you can blame mama and you can blame daddy and you can blame grandma and grandpa and you can blame your heritage all you want to. You can do that and do that and do that. But at some point, it is going to be said, did they do that which was right or did they choose to do that which was wrong? It is going to be on you. Every young person in here needs to get that. It is on you. You can, you can be taught right. Hezekiah did what was right. His son, nope, not, not following the ways of daddy. Josiah did not have the heritage, but he chose to do that which is right. Now go back to chapter 34 and watch what happens here with Josiah. It says there in verse... Uh, verse 3, for in the eighth year of his reign, okay, you got to do math again. He started when he was how old? Eight. Eighth year of his reign, how old is he? He's 16 years old. That's a teenager. He is 16 years old. And what does it say that he did in the eighth year of his reign? He began to seek after God. 16 years old. Say, say, Daddy didn't teach me right. I don't know about Mama, but Daddy and Granddaddy, I know, did not teach me right. But when he's 16 years old and he has the responsibility of an entire kingdom weighing upon him, and he has every reason to give an excuse, he decides in his own heart, I want to know who God is. I want to get to know him more. And the truth is, I want to follow God with all of my heart. So that's the decision he made. God put that in the Bible for us. He began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year, now watch this. In the 12th year, all right, 12 plus 8 is 20. He's 20 years old now. This is the 12th year. All right? So somebody must not did the math right. He's 20 years old, 12th year. When Jeremiah started, it was what, in his 13th year? So this is one year prior to Jeremiah coming on the scene. Right? So here he is. He's in his 12th year. Watch what he does. In his 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in those presence. And the images that were on high above them he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces. And he made dust of them and strode upon it uh, the graves of them that had sacrificed in them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, even under the Naphtali with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images and the powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. He is 20 years old and he has made a, he has made a decision. We are going to stand for that which is right. He is making a stand for righteousness. And he says, listen, 
This stuff, this idolatry is wickedness, it is sin, it is a, it is a curse that, is, that God places upon us because we are serving other gods. We are going to get rid of that. And he is only 20 years old. 20 years old. He started at 16. I want to follow God. Now he's four years later and he says, I want to stand for God. I want to live for God. I want to make a difference in the nation in which I live. And I'm going to stand for the Lord and I'm going to stand for that which is right. I don't care what everybody else thinks. We are going to stand for righteousness. We're going to stand for God and we're going to live for him. Y'all got that? That's a decision he made. Now you get to the next verse and he's in his 18th year. All right? That puts him at... 26, thank you, 26, now verse 8, he's 26 years old, and he gets an offering that, that he's, he's, this is what he's wanting to do, he cleanses sin out, he's dealing with that, it's not that he's getting rid of sin, he's just saying, listen people, what we are doing here is not right, we got to repent and get rid of this stuff. Now he's turning his heart towards the house of the Lord. All right? You can have a beautiful temple, but if, if there's wickedness all around it and inside of it, it's not much of a house. Right? So he deals, he deals with the matters of the heart first. Now he deals with the temple. And he gets an offering to be made. So read with me. You've got to stay with me. I know there's some big names that I'm not going to pronounce right, but stay with me because this is some good stuff. Now in verse 8, now in the 18th year of his reign, so Jeremiah is already at work now. He's been at work for five years. When, when Josiah had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and you know that guy, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah the high priest, there's that Hilkiah name, that's not Jeremiah's daddy, this is a different guy. But this is a high priest in Jerusalem. It says they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God. There's this offering. They're bringing the money so that they can repair the house. This is the money which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, all of the remnant of Israel and of all of Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they put the money in the hand of Danny Humphreys back there. They, they put the money in the workman's hands, the guys who can actually do the work, that had the oversight of the house of the Lord. They gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. They, they gave it to the, verse 11, the artificers and the builders. They gave, to, gave they it. They, they used it to buy hewn stone. They got it for timber, for couplings, to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And it says in verse 12 that the men did the work faithfully. So what does that mean? I'm not going to mention all their names there in, in verse 12. Uh, but it also mentions those who could sing at the end of the verse. The, um, other the Levites, all that could skill of instruments of music. All right? Now, what does it mean there? Those, those men were so trustworthy. You go over to 2 Kings in uh, chapter 22 and verse 7. They didn't have to reckon with them. They gave them the money, and those guys took the money, and they wanted to do the things right. They wanted the house of the Lord to be right. They spent every dime where it's supposed to be spent. They were faithful individuals who could be trusted. These were the men that were working on the house of the Lord. They didn't have to keep, they didn't have to keep tabs on them to make sure they spent every dollar where it's supposed to be spent. They were faithful individuals. We always need people who are faithful, right? People who are trustworthy. And they are doing the work of the Lord. And so that is, that is just something, that's a message in itself right there. Look at verse 13. They are also, they were over the bearers of burdens and were overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service and the Levites that were scribes and officers and porters. Let me just say this before I move on. You don't have to be in ministry to do ministry. Okay? You don't have to be a pastor to be used greatly of God. I want that to be clear. Now, God knows we need more preachers. 
We need more pastors. We need more evangelists. We need more missionaries. God, God knows we need more. We need faithful people who will be faithful to serve the Lord. But you don't have to be standing in a pulpit, open the Bible and declaring the word of God to be greatly used of God. You can be a faithful individual who is given a responsibility and, 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 and Josiah and Hilkiah and Shaphan can walk away because they know those guys are going to do an exceptional job and they are going to handle the money correctly. They're going to make the right use of it. They're going to spend it correctly because those are some godly men and they care about what God's doing in our country. You can be that individual. All right, now, verse 14. We've got to move now. They find something when they're repairing the house, right? And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. That's a special book. That is the word of God. I tell you how unspiritual they were. They didn't even know the book was in the house of the Lord. He finds this book. It's a book written by Moses of all people. This is his precious find. In verse 15, Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan, who was a scribe, someone who was responsible for the word of God. Verse 16, Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it unto the hand of the overseers and the hand of the workmen. He's just, he's just, he's just bringing back a report of what is taking place. They are, king, they are getting the job done. Then verse 18, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass that the king heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. Now you see that a lot of times in the Old Testament. They, they, they tear their clothes. It could be a time of mourning. A time of great loss. It's a time of grief. It's a time of sorrow. When they do that, it's a symbolic of their emotion of what they're going through. So they, he, he hears what is being said, and it upsets him so much. He has not heard the word of the Lord. And he's hearing it being read. And it bothers what he's hearing. It bothers him so much that he just stands up and he just rips his clothes. Because he knows they are not being obedient to what God has commanded them. Hello? There's growth that's taking place here. Let me say this before I move. It started with him at 16 seeking after God. It went on when he was 20, he started to stand for the Lord. And he started to stand against what he knew was wrong. He'd been taught enough to know that. He cared about the house of the Lord that he put an offering together, got an offering gathered together so that they could repair the house of the Lord. But now he is hearing the word of God. And it affects him immensely. He's 26 years old. And it's having a great impact upon his life. He's not a 40-year-old, middle-aged dad. He is a 26-year-old. Who sees... When he's hearing the word, he knows we're missing something. Do you see the spiritual growth? You don't have to be like super spiritual Sam over here 
You just got to be where you are and you're taking a step in that direction. So don't get beat down. I just don't understand it, preacher. I, you, you tell me to read the Bible. I just don't understand it. I don't want to hear it. None of us understood it when we first started. Nobody did. You just got to get started. And you got to hunger for it. And you got to want to learn it. And I want to tell you something. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes some effort. Everything I'm giving you tonight is something that I just got up early in the morning. And I read. And it just takes some effort. This is, has nothing to do with preparing for a sermon. I'm just reading my Bible, and it takes some effort. I just want to learn. You just want to learn, and you're going to get there. And before you know it, you were way back there when you knew nothing. And all of a sudden, you got, you got something to study. You can stand up in an RU class and teach, or a Sunday school class and teach kids. You're just growing. Always be growing. Now, here's the word. He rinses his clothes, all right? So he gets down here, and... Uh, where are we at? Change, I changed page, so I lost my place. Get to uh, verse 20. Let's just read, okay? And the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan, the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. I want to know more about it. Because he says this, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do all, after all that is written in this book. He understands we have, our fathers have disobeyed God, and God's wrath is coming upon us. And we got to do something about it, and I want to know more about it. And so verse 22, Hilkiah and they that, that the king had appointed went to hold of the prophetess, and uh, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvath, and the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. Don't get lost in the pronunciation of the name. Don't get lost in that. She dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, and they spake to her to that effect. And she answered them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell ye the man that sent you to me. Tell, go back and tell Josiah these words. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place. And upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book, which they have read before the king of Judah. Evil is coming. The reason, verse 25, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be poured out upon this place, and it shall not be quenched. Now, pay a close attention to verse 26, because she has a special message to Josiah. And as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say to him. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and disrend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. God sees you. God's looking in the heart of Landon Ferguson. He sees you. Talk about, I just preached a message recently on the our response to the word of God. There it is right there. He heard the word. He understood, oh my goodness, we are wrong. We are, we are in trouble. We got to get our heart right with the Lord. And he, and he tears his clothes. He humbles himself. And God is saying, I saw you when you did that. I saw that your heart was tender. You cared about the word as it was being read. I saw that you humbled yourself when you realized that you had sinned. I saw that you grieved over that and repented of that sin. I saw that. That's the word of the Lord. Tell Josiah, I saw you sitting in that church service. When you heard the word, 
And I saw how you responded. He says, judgment is coming. The wrath of God is coming because the nation has has put me off to the side. They are following after other gods. Couldn't you say that about America? Absolutely you can. And the church is just as guilty. Absolutely. And Josiah hears that. And he's, he's got a heart for God and he's wanting to serve the Lord and he's, he's wanting righteousness in his nation and he's wanting to live for the Lord and lead people to live for the Lord. And God says, listen, judgment is coming, but I saw you when you first heard the word and I saw how you responded. And look what he tells them is going to happen. He says in verse 28, Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Because of how you responded, you're going to live your life in peace. Judgment is still coming. You could apply that today in the church. Christianity. Judgment is coming upon all those who reject Jesus Christ as Savior. Judgment is coming. The wrath of God abideth on all of those that believe not, but to everyone that believeth, we get to experience the peace of God. Oh, we will die, but we can die in peace, not under God's wrath. Josiah, I saw you. I remember way back when you were 16 and you started seeking after me. And you made a decision. Your parents did not live for the Lord. Your granddaddy did not live for the Lord. You did not have a godly heritage, but you did not want that to define you. You sought me. I saw you. I saw you when you decided at 20 to take a stand for what was right. When all of your peers said, let's drink, let's party, let's be merry, let's have a good time. When all your peers did not care about the things of God. I saw you when you were 20 years old and you chose to stand for that which was right. I saw you. I saw that you cared about the house of the Lord. I saw you. I saw that you cared about the word of God. You're going to live in peace. But judgment is still going to come. God knows. Man, I'm out of time. I got to give you this. You got to be patient with me. You got to see this. You have to see this. We think that we can strong-arm people into believing God is, Jesus is the only way. We think we can deliver our nation through political gains. There are some good things about that. Those are some positive things. I'm not saying that those things are wrong. Those are some positive things. But we saw that happen in the 80s, and there were some positive things but we're also reaping some fruit because some people have really rebelled against that. You can't make people do what was right to them. They have to choose to be what's right. Can I show you? Watch watch what happens. Verse 29, the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. You're going to see spiritual leadership here. And God knows we need more spiritual leaders to lead our country. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests, the Levites, all the people great and small, and he read in the ears. He gathered all the people together and he read the book. He read the word of God. He read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant as found in the house of the Lord. What changed his life, he read it to them. And look what he did in verse 31. The king stood in his place. He stood up. He read it sitting down. He didn't come to the altar, the old-fashioned altar. 
and say, Lord, I'm with you, he just stood up. When he stood up, you know what everybody did? Everybody in the room looked at him. You know you do that. Everybody looked at him. Why are you standing up? Look why he stood up. Because he's making a covenant with the Lord. It says, King stood in his place, he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in his book. In Deuteronomy, we looked at it a couple of Sunday nights ago, Deuteronomy chapter 6, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. Josiah says, that's what I'm going to do. It takes you back to Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Josiah says, listen, I heard the word, I'm standing up, I'm making a covenant before you and before God. I'm publicly letting it be known. I am going to obey the word of God. I am going to walk with the Lord. Well, verse 32, he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to, do, to, stand to it. Why are y'all still sitting Why are you still sitting? Are you, are you just wanting to be sinners? Do you not care about the things of God? Why are you still sitting? I'm standing. Why are you sitting? Oh, I can pressure you into standing. I can make you look silly. And get you to stand. But it don't mean you're standing for the right reasons. As long as they're in my house, they're coming to church. But it don't mean their heart's right with God. but I do believe they're not going to find God if they're sitting at the house. But it don't mean they're going to find God sitting in the pew if they don't want him. He caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that pertained to the children of Israel, made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. I can make you serve. I can guilt you into serving. I can make you serve. But what good is it if you don't want to serve? I can cause people to stand. I can guilt you into standing. I can get you to do and dress and look and play the part. But what good is it if your heart is far from the Lord? Do you know that the Bible says that Josiah, let me, let me read it to you because I want to get every word right. You can write this down. If you've got 2 Kings marked, you can look over there real quick. Um, but I'm out of time. Let me read this. 2 Kings 23, verse 25. Look what it says. And like unto him, speaking of Josiah, and like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. What a great king. It's because he chose in his heart. He made up his own mind. He made up his own mind.
Look at chapter 36. Look at verse 1. Josiah dies at the end of chapter 35. The people of the land, chapter 36, verse 1. The people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in his father's stead in Jerusalem. And Jehoahaz was 20 and 3 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. And the king of Egypt put him down. And verse 4, the king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem and turned his name to Jehoiakim. In 2 Kings 23, verse 32, you know what it says about Jehoahaz? He did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Look in chapter 36, verse 5, what it says about Jehoiakim. He was 25 years old and began to reign. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Look at verse 9. Jehoiachin was 8 years old when he began the reign and he reigned 3 months and 10 days in Jerusalem and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Zedekiah in 2 Kings 24 19 he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and in his reign Judah is no more. Josiah was the most spiritual king Israel had had. All his heart, soul, and mind, he was dedicated to the word of God. And you know what his children did? No. Daddy, we don't want your God. His grandson? No, don't want Josiah's God. Don't want it. Don't want it. And God's wrath came upon their nation. Why? Because all of us have to make up our own mind. You have to decide. You have to respond to the word of God. And you have to decide. Do you want the peace and the blessing of God? If you want that, then you've got to serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Give it all to him. Give it all to him. And God says, I see that. I see you. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. And there ain't no amount of making you that'll ever change it. You got to make the decision. Let's bow our heads. Father.